0: What's up Warriors fans, this is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, the sports ethos presentation, Sam Orlick here, your host, we've got a whole bunch of things to get into and talk about today, Summer League is in full swing, the Warriors officially assigned Dario Saric, and so much more. With me to break it all down today is special guest Lee. Hey Lee. Hi.
1: How's it going? pretty
0: good. Warriors fans are obviously very excited that in the recent news uh, in free agency signing Dario Saric. And uh, I had a bunch of questions for you here. Obviously, I know you're <laughs> a huge Dario Saric fan. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just felt like the listeners would really benefit kind of hearing the inside scoop. I know Saric has kind of bounced around across a few different teams lately, yeah. but clearly has Um, a very interesting skill set that I think fits really well with the Warriors. Yeah. So, first question I have for you here is do you have any insight or knowledge as to what was maybe the delay in Sarge signing with the Warriors? It kind of had felt like as we were approaching free agency that it was everything was kind of lined up. Then I think a lot of Warriors fans were expecting that deal to go down, like on the first day and people were definitely sweating bullets that it, it was kind of boom or bust. If the Warriors didn't sign Sarge, they were going to be in a pretty, in a pretty big hole. So I'm curious if you have any insight as to, you know, maybe if that was on the warrior side or Sarge, if he was kind of holding out, trying to play the field and see if he could get a better offer or um what your thoughts are about kind of that delay or that that timing
1: um I mean I don't really have any like insider info there um the only thing that I was hearing was that he was holding out to see if Dame would go to Miami which is really funny um personally um because there have been rumors like a lot over the past like couple years basically since last time that Dario was a free agent that he's been linked to Miami like basically every trade deadline every offseason he gets linked to Miami and nothing ever happens so it makes sense that like that was the logical I guess what people thought or like what people were hearing um but that's like a very like through the grapevine like twitter thing so I'm honestly not really sure but yeah I think that's I think that's why like he originally day one was about to sign and then was and then after the dame stuff like it kind of fizzled out a little bit
2: yeah,
0: that makes sense. I also saw something that the Warriors were interested in Jake Lockdale as well, from, Yeah, former formerly from the Sun. So I, that also confused me because uh, on the last podcast, I had a guest who talked about his perspective. Again, not really insider info, but just
2: mm-hmm.
0: his view was maybe that the Warriors had maybe pivoted from Sarge and had kind of thought Lockdale would be a better fit and where maybe holding out to pull the trigger on Sarge to see what happens with Lockdale. And then, and then kind of to your point, the Dame news broke. So then that changed Sarge's position. So then maybe after Lockdale signed, um, with the Rockets, then the Warriors are like, okay, plan B, let's go back to Sarge. And then maybe Sarge was like, well, hold on. Actually, I need to see what happens in Miami. Yeah, no, I
1: think that's definitely a good theory. Um, I'm honestly this is like a kind of like a running joke. Um, but I'm honestly surprised that the magic didn't get in there somewhere. Um, because they are obsessed with him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like weekend, the
0: magic have so been, many yeah. forwards on their team though, like their I whole know. roster.
1: It's well it's really funny because I have like this, it's mostly a joke, but like a conspiracy theory that ever since so the magic drafted Dario on draft night twenty fourteen and then immediately like pick swapped him. Um with the Sixers, like whatever pick they had, which turned out to be Alfred Payton. Um, and it was just kind of like a whole mess. And ever since then, they have been trying to either get him back or like sign somebody who could be him basically. Um, Cause basically in 2017, when the magic like leaked, like their off season, like whiteboard thing. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but basically they posted a picture of like their war room um and you could see all of their like trades and signing like ideas on the whiteboard. They wanted to trade Aaron Gordon for Darius Saric in the 2017 offseason, which is absolutely insane to think about. Um, but yeah, no, I am very surprised that the magic didn't get in there this year.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen that that um that magic news from a few years back. Yeah. So Kind of more question question for you. So so have you always been a Philly fan or a Sarich fan or kind of maybe explain maybe a little bit of background of how, how you've kind of come to be this uh devoted Dario Sarich fan and what that's like, yeah. right? Being a fan <laughs> of a player that's bounced around on a few teams oh, and yeah. then do you kind of jump on board for those teams or it's more about the player? This is kind of like a new um concept for, I've always just been a diehard Warriors fan. I've never really yeah. been like, this is, this is my player and I'll, and I'll support them whatever mm-hmm. team they go to.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm like a born and raised 4 for 4 Philly fan. Um, and I like, I was really into sports as a kid. And then I kind of like stopped, like when I hit like middle school, cause I mean, I could go on forever and ever about like the social socialization of like young girls and sports fandom. But, um, when I was like 15 or so, I, I, got back into the Sixers, and I just chose Dario as my favorite player. I just thought he was funny and silly and goofy. Um, And since then, it's kind of – it's, like, it's not a joke. Like, I genuinely really do love him. Um, But it also kind of – I think people kind of usually assume that I'm just, like, doing a bit, and I lean into that. Like, it's partial bit, and it's partial, like, very genuine. Um, So, yeah, I think really – I got on, like, Twitter and TikTok and stuff, like, doing what I do. Um, Like, right when everything shut down um, for COVID, I think, like, just, I started to get, like, a really big hyperfixation on basketball and on Dario. Um, And since then, I've basically just been doing what I'm doing now um, to different extents.
0: Yeah. And so what's that like as Dario's... You know, moved around, you know, obviously with yeah. just mentioned with the Sixers and then he played mm-hmm. for the Suns.
1: Yeah. Um, it's been like I don't know, it's just been interesting. I think every team that I've kind of like migrated to, like as a as somebody in the fandom, um has been different. Like the Suns fandom, basically Dario's first season there, they absolutely hated him and they hated me too, as an extent. Um and that was when I was seriously like, I used to be like on NBA Twitter, like I had like my little fan account, like it wasn't me doing it. Um, well, it was me, but like the account wasn't me. Um, and like, the hate that would get piled on was just insane. Um, but then like, after the bubble, they really started to like him. Sun's Twitter absolutely loved me. Like I made so many friends over there. Um, Oklahoma City Twitter has been very kind to me. Um, I helped answer a lot of questions for them when Dario first got traded there um they were super nice and I'm really liking Warriors sweater so far um and there is there is a part of me that still really wishes he would go back to Philly so that I could just be a Sixers fan and not have to like constantly be in another fandom too um but honestly I think this is a pretty good outcome
0: yeah nice well um we're very happy to have you over in uh Warriors Twitter. I'm glad you're you. getting the good vibes and energy. It's uh it's it can be a little a little much out there in the social social media world and uh Warriors tw- Twitter
1: is yeah. certainly
0: um not uh, all good vibes up and down the yeah. board. So I, I don't mean... want to generalize, but certainly especially in the playoffs, it seems to uh bring out the uh, yeah. the it's most intensity. Very-
1: it's, like, the first, like, large market I've, like, existed in as, like, my current form. Like, I understand the Sixers are also a large market, but I feel like I feel like the Warriors are way beyond that, like, in every sense of the phrase. Um, so it's, like, my first time being in a fandom that's used to winning, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of excited to see how that'll play out. Honestly, I know, like, a, a lot of Warriors fans in real life, um, so that's going to be fun. And yeah, no, I think it's going
0: to be different, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I think Saric is like a perfect fit. So, I, oh yeah, I, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I don't think there's any concerns as to um, his his ability to be a useful uh useful player, and and I think he's going to succeed and flourish. And um, yeah. I hope that there's possibility for this to go beyond just the one-year deal. Um, obviously, oh, the Warriors, yeah. with a lot of changes in the offseason and free agency, trading away Jordan Poole, among among other mm-hmm. uh, young players, and bringing back Chris Paul. And I think the idea is that they're trying to create more more cap room and flexibility financially, which is enabled if uh, you know Clay Thompson's contract rene- 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 renegotiation next year yeah. Um, and I think there's there's actually a clear path for Sarge to get, like, an MLE or some type of real real money multi-year contract beyond just that minimum. Like, I don't think that'll be, like, yeah. 15 mil a year because you've still got a very top-heavy uh, Warriors, Warriors roster, but certainly more mm-hmm. than, like, the 2.5 or whatever it is. Uh,
2: yeah. That,
0: that minimum when you're playing in San Francisco – and after taxes and everything does not end up being that much of a salary compared to uh, most NBA players.
1: Yeah. Um, I think honestly, that's also part of why he was holding out for Miami. Like I really, I just, I know so much information about this man that it would just, it would be hard to explain it here, but I think basically he used to being treated as better than he's seen in the NBA now. Like when he was playing in the Euro league, he was way more of a big deal. He was drafted super high up. So I think it's still kind of like he's coming off that and like also almost being rookie of the year in 2017. um, I think like he believes that he's worth more than (laughs) most of the league would think. Um, So I do see him signing another deal. Like basically, I think at this point, it's whoever offers him the most money. Um, Again, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like all signs are pointing to him heading back to Europe if he doesn't get a super great deal after this one.
2: Interesting. Uh, because
1: then, yeah, he's going to have like five or so years left of a basketball career. He's going to be like 30, Um and he could make way more money and be way more of like a star player over there. Um So that's what I see happening if he doesn't sign a good deal after this one.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Warriors have kind of this proven track record, at least recently, of mm-hmm. taking – Taking these players and kind of revitalizing their careers and helping them get oh, paid, yeah. you'd look at uh, GP two right. and Otto Porter Junior. and uh, Dante Divincenzo, the the most recent example, right? You just got yeah. a four year, fifty plus million dollar deal from New York, and I think that you know something along those lines, I think, isn't out of the question for Sarge. Yeah. and the Warriors desperately need. That type of player, that type of shooting four slash five combo guy. Yeah. Um, who's super efficient. He can finish under the rim. He's a good free throw shooter. Uh, he can rebound, mm-hmm. he can make the right play. Um, just very kind of good feel, uh, good highly skilled, um, versatile forward that Steve Kerr yeah. highly covets. Absolutely. Now, I don't think he's going to play 30 minutes at night, but it'll be interesting <laughs> no. to see how that works. And I think the biggest thing for the Warriors is is they needed another another front court player who could shoot because if you want yeah. to play Jonathan Kaminga and give him opportunities to be on the floor, you need to surround him with shooters because he isn't mm-hmm. a knockdown shooter at this point yeah. in his career. And so it doesn't sound like in the latest comments from – um mike dunleavy jr the new gm of the warriors it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like they're really looking to bring in another veteran big man it seems like they're probably going to use one of the two-way slots um warriors have uh trace jackson davis making Mm -hmm. expected to make his debut tonight in summer league um Mm -hmm. you know he's expected to maybe get some minutes you know four-year college player but he'll be a rookie so i do think that there's a clear track for for sarge to get maybe in the the low 20s in minutes and he can play the four, or the five. Yeah. I and mean, Draymond and Looney are gonna need are gonna need some some spells.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely think it's great that he's getting like a larger role than he did um definitely in Phoenix and um also I guess on the Thunder. He was playing a lot on The Thunder, but also he was only there for like a month and a half. Um but yeah I know I know Dario likes to be on the floor. Like there's so many interviews where he just wants to play more and more minutes he wants to be starting like if somebody's injured like he will step up like they've played him at point guard before on the Suns, which is really interesting Point Dario is like my favorite thing ever um but yeah no i think he's gonna find his role on the warriors um and do whatever he needs to do
0: yeah just looking back at the last few years so he for the thunder last year yeah 20 games he was like 14 minutes per game yeah. 14 and a half for the suns 17 and a half in that first year with the or no actually 24 and a half in that first mm-hmm. year with the suns and then like 17 the following year so um but really efficient right and i think that's yeah. what's going to keep him on the floor like he doesn't need the ball in his hands he's decisive he can he can finish plays under the rim space out and hit the three Make the right play. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so what do you think? So, you know, he he we just talked about he's kind of bounced around a little bit, right? Played for Philly mm-hmm. that one year in Minnesota, which I totally forgot about. Um, and then Good. Phoenix. I'm i glad he forgot. <laughs> and then OKC. Okay, what where do you think he's fit in the best and which team, which team has utilized him the best thus far?
1: okay so on like a personal emotional level i really i have a super soft spot for the 2017 2018 sixers i think that was his best year i mean it is like numerically like by like the stats like it's his best year of his entire career i think he was used so well um i also think in i think it was 2020 to 2021 on the suns um, as a backup center he also like absolutely thrived um then that got cut off by an ACL injury which sucked and I don't think he's ever really I mean since then he hasn't gotten back to that level um but I think that, like I think either of those like either of either like playing at the four or the five would work I mean on the Warriors um I don't think he's gonna be that 2017 like rising star ever again I do think he can get back to where he was a couple seasons ago before the injury um yeah I think those are just my two examples Okay. Yeah. I don't
2: know if that's
0: very helpful. No, no, it is. Yeah. I mean, you can see from his um, in those first three years uh, or those first two seasons in Philly, he was averaging, you know, over 10 points per game. Um, The three, the, you know, shot almost 40% from three, which was a career best in 17,
2: 18.
0: He shot 39.3%. Uh, but the last three seasons, he's also shot thirty-nine percent. So yeah, um, I mean, I I don't think it's out of the question for him to average double figures. I mean, there's going to be a lot of shot opportunities. There, there's there's um, a, a need for kind of that play finisher. So yeah. um, you know, I don't think he's going to get fifteen field goal attempts per game. But um, you know, we're, Warriors need firepower off the bench. Hundred percent. Absolutely. And what about Chris Paul? How do you think he kind of factors into all of this, whether you know, was that a was that a big component of him choosing to sign with the Warriors over maybe Miami? Um did, do you feel like they had a great relationship and rapport from back to the the Phoenix days?
1: Yeah. Um I think those two are besties. <laughs> like truly, I think they are besties. Um so I think Chris Paul was like a good like I don't want to like name percentages because again, I haven't like spoken to Dario about this. Um, but I think that's like a good like amount of the reason that Dario chose to go to the Warriors for less money than choosing to go to Miami with like nobody he knows there and like nobody advocating for him um, and then signing for more. I think he's also ring chasing a little bit and I think Chris Paul's ring chasing a little bit too. <laughs> so
0: that's fine. Warriors fans are not. Salty about yeah. that at all? We're we all ring chasers over here, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least some of us were, and some of us won't weren't. But clearly, there's yeah. been uh, a realignment in that. Yeah, just um, kind of an interesting segue. So I know you know you weren't really a weren't a Warriors fan before Dario Sarge yeah. came over here. Do you kind of have, what are your kind of thoughts and feelings on all of the recent changes that, that have happened and where Warriors are kind of at?
1: I mean, honestly, I'm just happy to be here. Um, in terms of recent changes, I am kind of sad about Jordan Poole, (laughs) really sad. Actually, I do love him. Um, yeah, I mean, I live in DC, so that's also like, I'm going to get to see Jordan Poole in DC, but, um, Yeah. yeah uh I think that the changes they're making might be a little bit confusing like I've seen a lot of Warriors fans being like why would they get Chris Paul and Dario Saric right now um but I honestly think it makes sense they have so many young players on their team um there's obviously like the ring chasing element for everyone um so I think it does make sense that they made those changes and Again, I really haven't hung out on Warriors Twitter, but I have a bunch of friends who are Warriors fans. Um, I have little Stephen Clay cards that are, like, on my wall behind me. Um, so I have, like, paid attention to them for a long time. I do really like them. Um, I think it's going to be a good year.
0: Nice, yeah. And, I mean, I, I was a big Jordan Poole fan myself. I I was kind of shocked when he was traded. Yeah. Um you know, this is my, this is my third year. This this will be my third season covering the Warriors on on this podcast. Um, I'd I'd say there's been a lot of, now that changes have been made and we've kind of seen the results of directionally where they're headed. Now, it explains a lot of the confusion in what like the coaching staff has been saying, like Steve Kerr versus Bob Myers versus the owner who's getting playing time, who's playing. And um, I've said this a lot in the last few episodes, but I just feel like there's so many similarities to like the movie Moneyball and you can k- kind of yeah. see that the owner and the GM for for better or for worse had this vision and plan of having all these young players who were going to develop and grow into these uh, productive players and kind of usher in this new era or yeah. next area of Warriors basketball and yeah. Steve Kerr wasn't having any of it. Um, yeah. And so he wasn't willing to, to allow Wiseman or Poole or Kaminga or Moody to like just right. get 30 minutes a game no matter what and play through mistakes. And he, you know, mm-hmm. he wants them to play the right way. And, and so that was a challenge when front office is drafting players that don't have touch and feel, but have this huge ceiling, you know, limitless right. potential athleticism, all these raw tools, but can't make a read on the floor. It's like okay mm-hmm. well how are you going to play next to Steph and Clay then uh, everything right. we run is like read and react we're not like mm-hmm. running these specific sets that that are just easy to pick up so
1: right it was and a I mean, challenge
2: like, and yeah, yeah go ahead.
1: I mean I was going to say like I'd understand like changing the direction if Steph or Clay was like a year from like retiring but we're really not there yet um so yeah, no, I like the direction they're going in now. Definitely, I don't think it makes sense to like completely try to redo your thing when your two best players, or the players that work best together, are still like in, I guess, pretty good shape. Still have a few years from retiring and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and I think like last last year's roster, for example, you basically had half your roster that was unplayable. So right. So you had so many young guys that mm-hmm. they weren't going to see the floor like and, and I know a lot of I've right. seen a lot of people that are saying well why did they trade Patrick Baldwin Jr who's also in DC mm-hmm. now and, and has this yeah. it has this incredibly pretty jumper but mm-hmm. he would have been behind Kaminga right and we're already right you know Kaminga's already clamoring for minutes and, and it's kind of like year three for Kaminga like boomer bust like yeah The front office is like, yes, maybe Patrick Baldwin Jr. is going to be a good player in a few years, but we're not in a position that we have the playing time or luxury to develop him and see what he turns into. We need to bring in, we want to bring in another proven, established player that isn't going to clamor for for playing time, that isn't going to be upset, that isn't going to cost, you know, Mm -hmm. have this rookie scale where they continue to cost more. And we're willing to... We're willing to bite the bullet on and take the L on. He turns into a good player in three years, um, yeah. and that's what I think. I've seen a lot of people struggle with is they're kind of like, "Oh, mm-hmm. Ryan Rawlings, he looks so good. Patrick Baldwin Jr., he looks so good." Yeah, sure, but also like probably in Washington, there's a, a path for them to to get like consistent minutes off the bench, um, right. and there just wasn't there just wasn't any opportunity for that uh, for the Warriors. So
1: yeah, I mean, as a to- Sixers fan, yeah. I'm just, i just want to say that I'm so used to that kind of thing and people being like, "Why do we trade this player? Why do we trade that player? Like, why trade?" I mean, the big thing right now for the Sixers is why haven't they gotten rid of Farkhan Um, But again, like he's been on that team for so long. Versus, like I, I would understand trading away like a Shake Milton or like a George Niang instead.
0: Yeah, Sixers have their, own, kind of um, have their own have their own kind of issues going on and, and oh yeah <laughs> James Harden and...
1: yep yeah. it's just it's a mess every day there's always just something new um and again like they almost got rid of Paul Reed I think for that same reason where they were like would we rather like try to like develop this guy or just let him go somewhere else and get somebody else they did end up resigning him and I really like Paul Reed so I definitely understand like why a lot of fans get confused and upset when these players get traded who are like good on paper but like in theory and like with the vibes of
0: the team just don't really fit. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of, you kind of have to separate those things, right? Cause it's not always yeah. black and white. Like this player is good and can shoot the ball. Why did they get rid of him for seemingly nothing? It's like, well,
2: exactly. there's
0: more to the story behind the scenes and mm-hmm. you have to right now, they're really saying Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. What do you want? We're going to go out and do that. Yeah. That's what the front mm-hmm. office is doing right now. Whatever you guys want. Yeah we're going to go do it. Whereas the last three years was, no, oh, we're going to take a massive swing on James Wiseman. And then we're going to follow it up and, and pick Jonathan Kaminka. And then, right. you know, we're going to bring along Jordan Poole and, Oh, Poole doesn't play well off the bench. So we're going to move him now. Just, you can yeah. see all these decisions are around. How do we maximize um, the talent and right. in, in fit around our, our kind of core four or five guys. And right. if you don't fit into that mold, then they're OK with with moving on. And, and that doesn't mean that you're not a good player. You don't have potential and all of that. It just means like they're just making decisions with a very specific focus in mind. And it also seems like they're not concerned about getting the best return either, right? I mean, there's a lot of question yeah. marks. It took that much to get Chris Paul from, from the Wizards, like Will,
2: yeah.
0: Um, Ryan Rawlings, and Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um
1: yeah. So. Honestly, like I know a lot about the Wizards. I mean, I live in DC. I covered a few of their games. Um, I think it does. I think it does make sense that that happened the way it did. I think they are just scrambling for young talent right now, um, especially with Kristoff Porzingis leaving um, and Chris. Or gosh, um, Kyle Kuzma kind of on like on the fringes, like might leave, might not. Um, I def- definitely understand like why they wanted that much for Chris Paul. <laughs> not really
0: sure why they did it but well but they got yeah. so much less for Beal and Porzingis right so that's where I think fans yeah. were confused Is like
2: oh if, right, if they right, seemingly right. Yeah. they
0: seemingly gave a they seemingly traded Beal and Porzingis for like pennies on the dollar but then when yeah. it's the Warriors they get they get a young player and and two more players and a future and
2: future picks as well
1: Right. Um, I really I don't think the Wizards I only I think they only got picks for Porzingis Like it was a three freeway trade, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think they literally only got picks. And for Bradley Beale, that was so long ago. Oh my god. Was it like for, Landry Shamit? And what well, was Chris Paul and Landry Shamit. Yeah. Wait, uh, is Landry Shamit still for, on the Wizards? Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. No, you keep going.
0: So also for, for Jordan Poole, I think that there's some questions around um no, he's with the Wizards, Shaman. Okay, it. he yeah, was included no, I just as part it. of that trade. Yeah. Um you know, and I, I hope it doesn't come to this because I I wish the best for Poole. I think he's he's this incredibly exciting, tantalizing player that has a ton of potential. Yeah. Um, I certainly thought that he his performance last year was a little polarizing. He had some yeah. incredible games, but he also had some some pretty low moments as well, which is fine. I mean, he had a lot going on, a lot of drama, whether it was the the punch between Draymond, yeah. whether it was his, his fluctuating role, start, come off the bench, facilitate, score. Um, but I think it was very challenging to see him struggle the way he did in the postseason and, and not find a way to work through it, right? His shot wasn't falling. Yeah and it basically got to the point that he was unplayable and all he would do is just be on the floor and kind of turn it over and had, you can see he had just like, everything had just kind of crumbled. And so I certainly expect him to be much better than that, but I'm not really sure if that year that the Warriors won the championship with Poole where Clay Thompson, you know, missed most of the season and Poole was the starting, the starting two guard. And then Clay came back and then Curry got hurt and Pool was basically the starting point guard. If that was maybe an outlier of this kind of culmination of incredible efficiency and confidence, um, like if Poole doesn't really focus and develop some some two-way capabilities, I mean, I I could yeah. easily see him turning into like another version of like a Brandon Jennings or Monte Ellis, where um right. you're a little bit one-dimensional in your play and um he might not get another huge multi-year contractor deal. If, if, you know, he can put up mm-hmm. 20, but whoever he's guarding, is going to score 25. So right. what, what does that do? But really interesting. It will be really interesting to see what he does in Washington uh, and DC and, and, and him and Kuzma are going to be quite an exciting duo offensive. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, I will definitely be going to so many of their games. I always do. Um. I honestly, I see a really bright future for Jordan Poole. Um, especially, I have so many takes about this Wizards team, like all good ones, basically. Um, I do think it's kind of like a hot spot for like development. I do think they're gonna gonna end up shipping him off. Um, not this season, probably the season after. Because um, again, like you look at players like Rui Hachimura and you're like, why did they do that? Why did they trade him? Yeah. Um, so I think it might be a similar situation with Jordan. I'd have really, I don't know.
0: <laughs> they still have so many guards on the roster too.
1: Oh yeah. No, they need to get like more centers and bad. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I think that... Uh... You know who knows? Like last year in Utah, right? They they did something right. similar that they shipped off all their stars, and everyone thought they were going to be a bottom a bottom feeder, and they were actually yeah. played some pretty good basketball and and nearly made their way into the playoffs. So
2: absolutely, I think, that, I think yeah,
0: that, and that's really exciting. What how the NBA has kind of evolved that you give right that that eight through ten. You, you kind of increase the the competitiveness by giving that those kind of mid tier teams, more of an opportunity to get a taste for the playoffs. And if it's like, you're not in the top eight, uh, you know, at a certain point after, after the all-star break, you just kind of shrug like, what's the point now you've got some extra motivation to yeah. play. And um, you never know, right. There's so many, the league is so polarized. There's so many like these established contenders that are all kind of um dependent on the health of their stars and you know a couple right. teams could have extended injuries of their stars and, and a team like uh the Wizards or, or the Jazz or something like that that has a lot more of just kind of mid-tier talent up and down the board they can kind of yeah. come in and take teams by surprise in the regular season and, absolutely um, pick up some wins and and be productive and develop and be kind of a spot for guys to to showcase what they have even if like you said they end up moving on to another franchise in a year in a year down the road
1: yeah no for real
0: so we've got um warriors side we're in the midst of summer league uh warriors lost to the mavericks last night in overtime uh 96-98 mm-hmm. warriors play again this afternoon against Houston. I think I mentioned this earlier but really excited for uh Trace TG- TJD for his debut um that kind of steal of the draft as as they've touted him um to be uh I I've, I've been really excited to see what this kid can do. Um four year four year college player. Looks like he has a lot of the the raw skills and talent to be kind of that Backup big that that we've been looking yeah. for, led the NCAA in uh real plus minus last season, mm-hmm. which was mind-blowing, like a double double with almost three blocks per game, like undersized, but has the uh the wingspan in length. So it kind of just seems like it fits right into the Warriors mold of like these tweener, <laughs> these tweener forwards yeah. that are uh, trained and turned into centers. I mean, just look at what Kavon Looney and Draymond Green have, have been yeah. turned into.
1: No, I absolutely, I love a team that has a small ball center. Um, I definitely like, especially in a league where like centers are kind of becoming like the new thing. Like you look at Joel Embiid and you look at like Nicole Jokic, like, you need to have that size. And I really love and respect a team that doesn't um and tries to do something different. Cause there's so many times where like a matchup of two of those teams with like super big guys just ends up like in chaos. Um, I mean you see it with like the Sixers and Nuggets rivalry. Like nothing really means anything unless you get the title, um, which the Nuggets right. did. But yeah. Yeah, no, I really I respect the Warriors for going the small ball way.
0: Yeah, and it's it's kind of just goes back to like Steve Kerr, right? And and yeah. and the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson combo. Like you play around your stars, and it's hard to get a traditional big that can do all the things that are expected. You're right. expected to do as, as a legit center, and you kind of wonder if uh, Andrew Bogut was kind of the exception to that, um, because he was so such a high IQ cerebral touch like feel and touch for the game great passer um but since but since him uh it's been kind of shades of of different centers and, but with very specific roles like sure you had like Janelle yeah. mcgee and and david west and zaza Petrulia, but that was like each of those guys would play like 10 minutes at a time right um, you wouldn't really have like somebody that it's like oh we've got our center who's going to play 30 minutes a game until really like kavan looney um and that's because right. Looney is really more like a power forward, but he's just worked so hard on his game um, that he can kind of be that undersized center because he can position his body in the right way and and work and just do all the little things. So it is, yeah, yeah, it is really interesting. I I enjoy that being a fan, um, watching Warriors kind of have their unconventional approach and lean more into that. Uh, I saw a lot of stuff on Warriors Twitter, like go get Dwight Howard or just go get any big body off of free agency because Warriors need size and it's like that just seems like such a um, yeah misguided thought that Steve Kerr's yeah. gonna feel comfortable playing like Dwight Howard like sure he's a big body but if he can't do anything that the Warriors are gonna be doing on either side of the either side of the floor then what's the point right if they don't want a big man to just sit in the paint. And they want you they want to mm-hmm. switch or they want him to go and contest threes like he's not going to get minutes it's a wasted roster spot so
1: yeah um, no absolutely I think people just like to complain when they don't really know enough about what they're complaining about right
0: yeah and it was like that with free agency too before before Sarich was signed and, and Corey Joseph it's like what are the Warriors yeah. doing nobody wants to go play with them and it's like they don't have the mid-level exception. They don't have any trade except like they don't have any opportunities yeah. to give anybody any real money um, unless they yeah. go trade away more of their young players. Um, so right. have some patience. But of course, everybody just wants that instant gratification of sign that splashy free agent. Um, oh, you didn't get Utah or um, any of the other yeah. players that that the Sun signed, um, right? anyways that's yeah. just my my uh rant complaining about no, social media so, and, and people's that's so opinions. real
1: i feel i feel the same way like just especially as somebody who like still like i am a six weeks fan like that's most of my timeline just like the things people are saying i'm like we're not getting dame like please calm down like we, we can barely keep james harden like i don't want dame so
2: okay. how do you
0: feel about the uh the Sixers' kind of promising core—the Joel Embiid Joella, and Maxi combo. Oh
1: my God! I Potentially adore James Harden. Yeah, yeah, I love Tyrese Maxi. Um, I've loved James Harden while well, he's been here. But the thing with James Harden is that he's going to get his way, or he's not going to get anything. Um, so I understand why he's trying to leave. He badly wants a ring. I don't know why he thinks the Clippers are going to get him one, but. Whatever. Um, I just I love Joel Embiid and I love Tyrese Maxey. I think they're such a good duo. Um, and especially when you have players surrounding them. Like I mean, I need to shout out Paul Reed and like Pat Bev. Like I just it's gonna be so fun. It's gonna be such a good season. Maybe not good as in they get very far, but good as in I'm gonna really like it.
0: I don't know. I mean you've got you've got Joel Embiid, you've got the, the
1: Right. Reigning one of MVP. the guys.
0: So um yeah. yeah, reigning MVP, you're certainly poised for uh, a deep, a deep playoff run, but then anything yeah. can happen, right? We so, yep. so this was Milwaukee's year, and they lost in the first first round to oh, Miami. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. it, it's really it can really go any which way. It's really hard to say.
1: Yeah, no, for real.
0: And I also think it's funny how quickly people are people are thrown out thrown out the window. Like one bad performance, right? I see a lot of people writing yeah. off Clay Thompson. You know, it's like sure he struggled mightily. Uh, in the in the series against the Lakers, but Clay still led the league in three-point shooting. Like if you look at all right. of his numbers last year, they were actually it was actually a career year for Clay um across a few different a few different areas. And so um even as he's getting you know getting into his mid-30s or starting to get there, uh players are able yeah. to evolve and grow and, and kind of work past some issues. So um it'll be interesting, right? James Harden is one of those very polarizing players that has um gotten a lot of criticism for for a lot of different reasons so it'd be interesting yeah. to see you know if he does stay is he able to buy into the culture and, and do what he needs to do and have that team first mentality if he goes to, you know if he forces his way out and goes to his and goes to the Clippers I, I mean I don't Same I'm kind of with you I don't there. really see how yeah. that is that much of a better situation because what are no, the Clippers going to need not. to give up to get <laughs> him? And uh-huh. the Clippers have struggled themselves, right? How many years in a row has it been like? If the Clippers are healthy, they're a contender. And it's like so far, they're it seems like only contender. one year that that yeah. actually ever reality. Like, kind of seems like Embiid yeah. and Maxi are much more likely to be on the floor come May and June than Kawhi Leonard and Paul
2: George.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I definitely feel the same way. I just I don't understand like what is possibly so great about the Clippers. <laughs> And I'm saying this as someone who absolutely loves Kawhi. Um, and I know he can do great things, but I'm really just like, he put James Harden in there, like, what's changing? Like, he's very just really serious. really wants to play
0: with Westbrook again. <laughs> I
1: <don't> yeah. Know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but they could do that somewhere
0: else. I know, it's more of a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, it is really weird to see how, you know, and now with Damian Lillard wanting wanting to be traded, it, it's really like the end of an era, right? You had all of oh, these yeah. franchise players. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess Embiid fits fits into that bucket of being a franchise player, right? But it's a very yeah. short list now of of players that have been with their team, you know, 10 years or more. And, and you know, once Damian gets traded, it's going to be really interesting to see the Warriors being that team with like the top three guys in, yeah. in that category. And, and I think... Continuity in chemistry is um, is something widely uh, over, overlooked uh, to, into playing a role to uh, having sustained success in the NBA. Because yeah. there's so no, many things absolutely. that can go wrong um, in so many different ways. It, it's really hard to win. It's really hard to win yeah. a championship. It's really hard to be successful. Um, you look at the Denver Nuggets, right? They just won and they lost Bruce Brown, right? You think yeah. that you're, okay, we're going to run it back. And and I saw everyone in, in the parade, they're saying that Bruce Brown is going to sign. And then, well, he wanted more money and good for him. He got paid to go play in Indiana, but it's just like, you never yeah. know. You never know when, when you'll have another shot, right. even when you do everything um, to put yourself in that exactly. position. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's why I think, like, I mean, the Warriors have done it, like, beautifully, like, sustaining, like, a culture and, like, keeping the players that matter to you. Um, I wish the Sixers did more of that. I am so – this isn't even about Jimmy Butler because I am a little bit salty over that still, but if they just kept more of those players from that 2017 team, I think they would be a lot better off than they were now. Like, even not just saying this as, like, a Dario fan, but even if they just didn't get rid of Dario, didn't get rid of Robert Covington – like let Markel Fultz work out his shot, I think they would be so much better off.
0: Yeah. It's hard, right? It, it kind of goes back yeah. to to everyone needing to buy in. And I think for the Warriors, when you have somebody like Steph Curry, who's so unselfish, right. but also your franchise player, it it mm-hmm. really sets the tone and and forces everyone else yeah. to buy in. Um, yeah. But it's weird because I would say the last few years, like like 2022 was an exception to that but the last few years we kind of got away from having that continuity and having that alignment from all the way up to the front office all the way down to the players on the bench and and it was confusing to be a Warriors fan and be like wait we're still in the tail end of our dynastic run and what's going on like guys are unhappy players are punching each other I mean Draymond's always in in the middle of everything and and having a lot of (laughs) A lot of energy and intensity, but it just was so off of what we had kind of come to expect and and, um, known from this team. So I'm excited to see them get back to get back to that place where everybody's on the same page and we're moving forward together because we have a common goal and not this Mm -hmm. kind of one foot in the door and one foot out like, well, we're going to play James I, Wiseman and we're going to play Jordan Poole, but we also want to win, but our stars aren't being consistent and there's bad energy and attitude and people are upset about playing time and just too many yeah. narratives distracting from, um, the goal of let's, let's win another championship.
1: Yeah. I mean, like bringing it back to Dario, like, I know I always talk about him like being a diva and like forcing trades and stuff like that. Cause he had done that in the past. Um, but I think, I mean, all of his teammates always say he's great for the locker room. Um, I mean, in my experience, he's always just been, like, so sweet and kind. Um, just, like, genuinely a really good dude. So, I think, like, until it comes to, like, he needs to either resign or get out, like, I think he's going to be great for the team, just, like, vibes-wise. Um, I could definitely see, like, that alignment returning. I and mean, even with Chris Paul there, which doesn't really feel right to me, but... <laughs>
0: It's whatever. Yeah, I think I think Dario is going to fit in perfectly. I think I think oh, yeah. bring, he's going to bring good energy. I think that he's going. His skill set is very unique, right? We don't have yeah. a ton of shooting forwards, so it's not mm-hmm. like there's going to be competition for him where it's like one night he plays, one night he doesn't. I mean, I think that there's going to be nights where he's going to get all the minutes he can handle. Because um, mm-hmm. I think that you're looking at Kavon Looney now coming up on his third season this will be his third season without missing a game yet. So knock on wood, but Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's going to be some, some scheduled rest for, for some of these guys. And uh, yeah. on Chris Paul, I think, I think it's uh, it's not really going to sink in until we see him with a Jersey on the floor. Um, It's definitely (laughs) definitely really weird. But when you think about last year, how many games the Warriors threw away and then lost, whether it was on the road or at home, because they just couldn't, manage their turnovers or manage the clock, like leads with four, four minutes. We like joking last year and the year before on, on, um on podcasts where it was like the warriors, the warriors um, constructed a masterclass on how to throw away games and tanking teams yeah. should take a note. Like, Oh, up by 10 with six minutes left. Just watch the warriors. They'll find a way to, to throw mm-hmm. it away. Um, you know, up by four points with 60 seconds, they lost to Utah. Just like so many, yeah. Um, unexplainable, inexplicable situations where it's just poor shot selection, unable to take care of the ball, letting yourself get tied up for a jump ball or for a steal at the end of the game. Just so many weird Mm -hmm. situations. And I really think that Chris Paul will set the tone as to like, hey, we're not doing that anymore um uh-huh. and jordan Poole I mean, certainly yeah. didn't help so you've got mm-hmm. steph curry and draymond they're going to do their thing right but they're going to play yeah. free and wild but you need that second unit you need that second group to be more methodical to be more deliberate about the actions that they're running and, and get buckets yeah. when you need to and chris paul and Corey joseph too and, and dario sarge they bring that experience that veteranship that ability to finish that mentality of knowing when to go get a bucket and and when to when to make the right play um and pool just didn't really fit into that group pool is more like that fast free wild style which fit with Mm -hmm. the starters but you weren't going to bench curry or clay thompson to start jordan pool
2: um yeah so now i think there's going to
0: be a lot of questions if, if chris paul Is the starting point guard for the whole season? Is that more of a ceremonial thing? And he starts the Mm -hmm. game for two minutes and then goes to the bench and then plays with the second unit? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm not too worried about it. I think they'll figure it out. I think at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, you get a um, future Hall of Famer, you know, one of the best point guards that's played. And, you know, he wants to win. This is kind of his last chance to win. So Mm -hmm. I would be very surprised if Chris Paul sours the situation and forces the warriors to um improperly utilize him that leads to their lack of success this season because he's got it he's got a non-guaranteed contract next year right so warriors Mm -hmm. just let him go next year and then he's not going to get 30 million dollars from another team so it seems like it's in his best interest to figure it out make it work prove that he's uh you know a real a real piece uh contributing piece to uh contending championship team and um you know the rest is just noise
1: yeah no absolutely um and i think if you're talking about a second unit that's going to be methodical um, i think chris paul and dario sarge are like the first two players that come to mind so i'm very excited to see what they'll do i'm excited to see how chris paul works on this team um still doesn't feel right it still doesn't feel real but um i just can't wait to see it Well said
0: that's all I got yeah
1: cool
0: well I thank you again for uh for jumping on the show it was great to uh to talk hear your yeah, of kind course. of story and and insights <laughs> into Dario Saric and uh um maybe we'll have to do another another touch point at some point in the season and kind of see how uh oh yeah how all our predictions <laughs> have gone and uh how mm. well uh Saric has been fitting in yeah
1: totally
0: and once again, this has been the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, a Sports Ethos presentation. Please give me a follow over at Twitter if you haven't already. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you in the next one.